Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and you've guessed it, this is where we talk about money. And it is my mission to empower you, to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Why? Because money is a tool, life is for living. Let's go. Good morning, good morning. Welcome back, everybody, to the Conversation of Money podcast. I hope everyone is well. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. Um, I think we're entering into that phase where we are enjoying the last bit of sunshine for the rest of the year. Whatever you were doing, I hope that you had a great time and had uh, time for yourself and family, ultimately. On this episode of the podcast, I want to share with you um, some of my thoughts around a recent survey that I found last week around retail investors and the retail investing space. Very, very eye-opening data. And in doing this, I want to highlight some of the positive things that obviously come off the back of this. But I also want to highlight some of the things that I looked at that I was slightly worried about. And if I'm completely honest, I say worried. One or two of the stats in here uh, filled me with dread. I was horrified by it. So within this episode, obviously, there's going to be a lot of uh, numbers thrown around. As always, though, I'm going to give you uh, a breakdown, uh, my my thoughts around why I think certain uh, pieces of this survey are alarming to me. And if you are in this population of people who fall within some of these categories, I'm also going to give you a few things maybe to think about, because I think ultimately it's really, really important, especially with investing. I talk about this all the time on the podcast and on YouTube we have to make sure that we are making the best decisions possible so that we keep ourselves safe. And whilst this research piece is encouraging, there are just a few alarm bells. So just to start off, this is actually by Free Trade. So if you don't know who Free Trade are, Free Trade are kind of like the rivals to Trading 212. They give you access to ETF index funds. They also give you access to individual stocks. They have a free offering and they also have a paid offering as well. Some of the small cap, uh, mid cap offerings in terms of the ETFs are now behind the paywall within uh, Free Trade. So you don't get access to the full suite unless you pay. But nevertheless, they are a really, really good provider. So essentially, they have gone out and they served it, surveyed, I believe, about 3,000 of their customers or so. And they asked various questions trying to compare where we are at the moment in regards to retail investors versus institutional investors. So institutional investors will be you know, your pension fund, funds, your mutual funds, your hedge funds, the big banks and investment houses, essentially. Some of my old employers, really. Um, and retail investors being, you know, the everyday person on the street. And so one of the first questions that they've asked here is they wanted to get an idea of what the age demographics were uh, for people who have just started investing. Now, clearly, we've been in a bit of a spot of bother over the last 18 months with COVID. And with so much time on people's hands, I've certainly seen it with this podcast. I've certainly seen it with the YouTube channel. Investing became a really, really big hot topic, something that people were researching, something that people were interested in because they were hearing so much about it. And to add on to that, actually, money was a bit tight. So investing being a possible vehicle to generate income was obviously something that people were going to take a liking to. I'll come back to that point a little bit later on. 
But in the, the first question they asked around, you know, how old were, are the retail investors who just started investing? The biggest uh, group of people were aged between 26 and 35. That represented 39.56% of people. Now, personally, I absolutely love this because I wish that I started investing when I was in my mid-20s. About 25 would have been the perfect time for me personally to invest. Prior to that, I was too busy having fun and not really caring and not really understanding what money was all about to be able to, you know, really think about it. I think maybe even at 25, I wasn't really quite there, but I would have loved to have started investing at 25. So the biggest weight is 26 to 35, 39.56% of people. The next uh, category is 18 to 25. And this fills me with even greater joy because if you're investing at the age of 18, you you are really putting yourself in the best position possible to be able to amass quite a bit of money in an investment pot over time. If you're looking at this from a long-term point of view, people talk about being a millionaire. You could be a millionaire if you start that young with the power of compound interest. So 18 to 25 represents about 21.91% of the people that they surveyed. Again, they surveyed, surveyed I think around about 3,000 people or so. The next biggest... Um, age group after that was 36 to 45. Now I fit within that group, but I've been investing for quite some time. That represents 19.31% of the uh, customers that they then um, had within this pool of people that they that they surveyed. The other groups are 46 to 55, 12.11%, then over 55, 7%. Now, this is reflective of my audience, both on YouTube and on the podcast. But in terms of the gender split, 76.03 of the people that they surveyed were male. So new investors just started investing, 76.03% were male. Ladies made up 23.14% of that. Now, we know that for women in particular, um, investing... That is that has been a challenge in the past. So it's really encouraging to see that number at 23%. But we've got almost three times that amount on the male side. So I would personally love to see more women investing, really taking charge of, you know, what they're doing with their money and looking at investment markets for the future to actually create wealth and try and, you know, secure that financial independence. And, you know, I like the number 23.14%, but I feel as though we're behind on that and there's some work to do there. The next uh, question that they actually asked were, you know, in proportions to people who started investing in the last, you know, sort of year, 18 months or so, how many are purely first-time investors and how many of them actually had some experience? Now, this is for me where we start to get a, a clearer picture of the, the landscape of the people that they surveyed. So 58.97% of the people that they um, surveyed said that they were complete first-time investors, complete first-time investors. The gender split on that was 71.82% men and women, 27.43%. Only 41.03% of them said that they had some previous experience with investing. So a large proportion of the people that they surveyed essentially were first-time investors coming to the markets for the very, very, very first time. When it came to the question of confidence, how did how confident did people feel about investing uh, in general, be it for the first time or not? The biggest bubble that I see here when they asked about that feeling was 
the feeling of uncertainty. That was 46.47%. Now that does not surprise me one little bit because with all the interactions that I certainly have on YouTube, because that's where I spend a lot of my time in terms of content creation, the question I get all the time is, Pete, how do I know if I'm doing the right thing? I don't want to get this wrong. Uncertainty is a really, really big factor in either preventing people from investing or being the catalyst to get people investing. And this leads on to the second biggest bubble, which is even though some people felt like uncertain and they weren't really too sure of what they're doing, that then imbued excitement just to get started with that enthusiasm. Because look, let's be honest here, investing is an exciting thing. You should take pride. You should be excited about the fact that you are investing, be it for the first time or continue to invest because that's what you've what you've been you know, cultured to do over a period of time, be that six months, 12 months, five years. It is an exciting thing because you're doing something positive for your future. That bubble of people is the second largest bubble, which is 44.41%. After that, we then have nervous and reluctant at 33.53%. So if we put uncertain and nervous and reluctant together, we have over 70%, almost 80% of people either uncertain, well, feeling the combination of uncertainty, nervous and reluctance. And again, this comes back to education. This comes back to really understanding how the markets actually work. Confused is one here, 22.25%. Again, I'm not surprised by that. Scared, 12.45%. Um, overwhelmed, 16.23%. And, you know, overwhelmed, that sentiment right there is not one to be overlooked because there is so much information, be it on podcasts, be it on YouTube, be it on TikTok. And we'll come to TikTok in a moment. Um, but, you know, feeling overwhelmed of all of the information that is out there, the, the information you need to take in and you need to understand and bearing in mind that people learn in different ways and consume information in different ways, it can feel really overwhelming. But seeing this kind of, ringed true with everything that I've encountered over the last, you know, 20 months that I've been doing this now in terms of the sentiment that's actually out there and how people are feeling about investing as a whole. Now, this is where it gets a little bit juicy, okay? So when they look at key reasons why UK investors started investing, okay? Key reasons why people started to invest. And for me, this is a good one, but... I think the question that they asked makes me question whether there was confusion or whether there is still confusion in the marketplace with retail investors about what investing actually is. So 44.56% of people said, I wanted peace of mind knowing I was building my savings. Now, I've spoken about this a number of times on YouTube. I've spoken about this a number of times on this podcast investing is very different to saving. So whether that question is worded wrong or whether it's a case of the public or retail investors understanding of investing and saving, I asked the question of, is there a large proportion of people who started to invest over the last 18 months that didn't quite understand exactly the difference between saving and investing? And I think that's really, really important. Some other things that we saw here was, you know, I always read about the importance of investing and got started as soon as possible. That's 33.19%. I want to be able to retire early, 30.29%. Uh, friends and family encourage me. That right there is fantastic because I think, you know, 
having your friends and your family, being able to actually have that conversation with people is really, really powerful. It's something that we don't do enough in this country. And I hope, you know, via podcasts like this and YouTube channels like mine and others that are out there, that people feel more comfortable having that conversation of money so that you can use that as a device, as a stepping stone to do better things and think differently about your finances moving forward. There were a number of other, um, you know, questions in there in terms of results. I'm not going to get to that just now. However, there is one in particular that, you know, this is where the red flags start to begin for me. And this is, this is a pretty big one in my mind. And I will give you the reason why I feel that way. So when they ask the question, what are the main goals for UK retail investors? More disposable income to support lifestyle was the one that was picked the most by the people that they surveyed. And that was by 48.73% of people. I'm just going to read that point again, just so that everybody kind of gets a grasp of what I'm talking about here. The most popular goal for people investing when they surveyed their client base was they wanted or investors wanted more disposable income to support lifestyle. Now, if you've been following this podcast for a while, you'll know why that is problematic. But I'm going to explain it anyway. And for those of you who follow me religiously, you will know exactly what I'm about to say. You could pretty much almost reel off the following words verbatim. Investing is a long-term game. Unless you have huge capital, so a lot of money to put into an investment, it is very, very unlikely that you're going to be able to generate enough income to support your lifestyle. This is the thing that social media continues to propagate and perpetuate, which is a falsehood that you can invest a thousand pounds, two thousand pounds, hundred pounds a month and get 50 quid a month in returns. That is a fallacy. And this is where this survey becomes quite concerning for me because we're talking about free trade here and free trade do an amazing job. They really, really do. Their platform is amazing. Obviously, I've covered them on the channel before, but this really leads the question as to education. Education is really important. If 48.73% of people have started to use your app and this is the response that you had, I mean, I don't know what that what their boardroom was or what their, their marketing team, I don't know what their faces would have looked like having read that, but I would be absolutely horrified and it horrifies me to think of that. The second biggest um, goal on here was it wasn't, you know, we haven't got any concrete goals just for fun. That's fine to invest just for fun and not to have any concrete goals to start out. But what do I always preach here on the channel and what do I preach about on the podcast? I preach about having goals because when the markets crash and when the going gets tough, your goals are going to keep you in line. We started the podcast this year. We started the YouTube channel this year talking about goals. Goals are absolutely crucial, particularly when you are investing. So for me, red flags, two red flags. The other one on here, uh, which is the third largest answer that people selected was buying a property, 34.22%. Now I've spoken about this again a number of times. Depending on how long you are looking to, you know, um, invest for or how long you have your goal towards buying your property. So for example, 
If you are looking to buy your property in two or three years, you should not be investing. Your risk is going to be way too high. Regardless of what people are telling you, you should not be investing because the timeline is way too short. If it's a three-year period or anything less really than five years, you your risk is so high because if the market crashes, the last time the market crashed, the recovery cycle took five years. You will not have enough time. And what then happens is you jeopardize purchasing the house. If you go back to uh, the podcast episode, maybe about two, maybe three months ago, I spoke about this specifically where someone actually invested money in Bitcoin and it was in detriment to their house deposit. They lost £5,000 and needed that money for the deposit. And by the way, the mortgage application was underway. And the person thought that I would be able to help them recover £5,000 miraculously. It's like, no, you have to think logically with this, guys. If, you're, if your goal is to buy a property, investing in the stock market, if you're investing for less than then five years really realistically is not the place for you. The prize is not getting investment returns to help you towards that house deposit. The prize is the house. Now, I know that that is counterintuitive. I know that people will say, oh, Pete, you're talking absolute nonsense here because it's so difficult to be able to save for a deposit. But hear me out. If you use a lifetime ISA, like most people do, and most people that I coach, I ask them about their lifetime ISA if they put on their goal list buying a property. If you use a lifetime ISA, you are going to get 25% from the government. That is a return in itself. If you're investing for less than five years, three years down the line, two years down the line, that 25% return that you're going to get from the government is is an investment return. That's free money you are going to get. There is no point chasing after an additional 10% with the possibility that the markets might crash, you might get stuck in a in a market cycle, in a recovery cycle, and unfortunately may have to be in a position where you have to push out your house purchase for another two to three years while the market recovers. And by the way, within that period of time, you might see house prices increase in value at the same time. It's I know that it's not I know that it's not a popular thing to say guys but it is the truth. And I'm not here to blow smoke up anybody's ass. I'm not here to win a popularity contest. I'm simply here to speak truth to power because it needs to be said and I hope that listening to this you take this in. Now, there is one other section that again for me brings up really big red flags. So, what retail investors have in their portfolio. Now, again, if you've been following me for a while on YouTube and here on the podcast, the following numbers will, will make sense. Well, it will make sense while the following numbers give me a nightmare, really, to be fair. So what does the investment portfolio look like for retail investors? What do they have in their portfolio? 94.9% of the people that they surveyed had individual shares. I'm going to say that again. 94.9% of people had individual shares. Now, bearing in mind, we already established, we already established that a lot of people who had just started out investing either had no experience. So 58.97% of the people that they surveyed had no experience investing, none whatsoever. 
yet 94.9% of people had shares in their portfolio. Now, clearly, we don't know how big these portfolios are. I spoke a number of times in previous episodes and on the channel talking about, okay, if you're going to be buying individual shares, you need to be thinking about risk management, diversification, diversification across geographical regions, across different sectors. I've spoken about that quite extensively. Now, we don't know how big these portfolios are. We don't know how many companies are being held within these portfolios. But 94.9% of people, first time, in, and, and of which 58 or 57, 59% of people are first time investors holding shares is horrifying to me. And I don't, again, I don't know what the reaction would have been within free trade, but for me, this would be really raising alarm bells. Why? Because if you hold all of your companies within shares, I would hazard a guess, and I can say this pretty confidently, that if you're a first-time investor, you've either gone through, and this is where we get to what people have used to research, TikTok being a really big component of how people did their research, you probably have taken your stock picking or your stock picks from TikTok videos, YouTube videos, and a whole host of media or content created outlets, which is a horrible way to do stock research. If you're hearing about it in the news, it's probably too late. Researching stocks is an art form in its own. So for me, 94.9% of, of people that they surveyed having shared, shared mainly in their portfolio, individual companies, we could probably reel off the ones that will be popular, Tesla, Amazon. Those are the guys that will probably have Palantir, probably will have a little bit of Neo. Volatile, volatile stocks means that we've got a host of first-time investors potentially in for a very rough ride if the markets tail off at any point and we have a market correction like many people have been forecasting we are going to have. And the question then becomes, did you have your goal? We already knew and already know, sorry, that a good portion of people did not have a goal when they started investing. So if you didn't have your, have a goal and you started to invest and the markets trail off and you're completely new with 94.9% .9 of your portfolio in shares, how are you going to feel? The risk factor, has that been considered? And I have to ask a question, and this is an indirect question. This is not a, an accusation or a criticism at all. What are free trade doing to ensure that the people that are using their platform are well-informed around these risk factors and around the things that they need to consider when selecting stocks? Because for most first-time investors, if you'd gone down the route of index funds, ETFs, where you're getting a collective, a basket of, of shares to invest in, you are automatically diversifying your risk greatly. You're buying the S&P 500, for example. You're buying you know, uh, the FTSE 100, the FTSE 250, the FTSE All Cap. You're buying um, the, the, the All World, right? You're buying globally diversified ETFs and index funds that are low cost, and help you manage your risk over the long term. Ironically, 49.9% of people have ETFs. So that's a little bit of comfort. But still, for me, it's a really big concern that 94.9% .9 of people have their money in shares. Crypto is a really big follow-up to that. 
44.51%. And you know what? Crypto, it is to be expected. Big, big um, asset class, big point of contention, points of conversation over the last year to 18 months, even two years even. So it's, an, it's natural to see that crypto is is a quite a handsome number within that within that um, research pool right there. I'm not surprised by that at all. But ultimately, this this survey for me is a tale of two coins almost, if I have to wrap this up. The first is that, great, we have people who over the last 18 months have really taken an interest in investing. That is the first thing that you need to do in terms of creating wealth or one of the four ways in which you can actually create wealth. That's fantastic. We know that with the age demographics, more younger people are getting involved. That is music to my ears. That's why I started the YouTube channel. That's why I started this podcast. We know that there are a large portion of men, males, investing and an increased number of females as well. However, I feel that the number on the female side, on the women's side, girls, come to the table. We need to get you guys involved a little bit more because guess what? Your money is equally as important as the guy's money, as fellas' money, right? So we need to get you involved a little bit more. There needs to be a little bit more work done there. I'm thankful and I'm grateful that, you know, I have been a, a beneficiary of you know, maybe some of this interest, the, the YouTube channel has grown from zero at the beginning of, you know, last year to th over 30,000 subscribers. This podcast is a top 10 podcast in this category on Apple. Um, I've been a beneficiary of all of this mania. Um, I've said it a number of times. I have to question myself sometimes whether I actually add to the noise and the confusion. I hope that I don't. I'm always very conscious of that. Um, and certainly lately, it's been something that I've I've been struggling with greatly. Um, and I have to ask myself the question of how do I further differentiate this podcast and the YouTube channel? So it's not just about the noise of investing. We're giving away really important information. However, you know, YouTube and even podcasts in particular, podcasts may be slightly different to YouTube. YouTube has a bigger reach, obviously, but you know, the stuff that is important for people to really understand is not the trendy stuff. It's not the sexy stuff. It's not the stuff that people essentially watch or want to hear about. Um, if it's not about making money right now, that short term is in that very, very quick return. Most people don't care about the detail. And I, I struggle with that a lot. I, I, it worries me. Um, and I have to question how you break through the noise. And I have to question some of the stuff that I have done and, and will continue to do and to see whether it's actually useful or not. I don't know. I'm not the one to answer that question, obviously, but it's something that plays in my mind. Um, my absence on TikTok. So when you look at research channels, 40.25% of people who they were who surveyed said that they went to TikTok, Reddit, and Twitter to research investment approaches. That horrifies me because TikTok in particular has been notorious for all kinds of scams being perpetrated there, being instigated there. Instagram is just as bad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's just all across social media, but where the content is very short form, there is um, there is huge potential for things to be misconstrued, misunderstood, and you cannot pack the kind of uh, context into a topic as important as investing. And so, look, this is a mixed kind of like, 
view that I have on it. I think it's great, but it does worry me that, you know, first time investors invest in primarily because, you know, they want disposable income. That's, that's, that's poor. Um, that's really, really bad. And, you know, first time investors holding mainly stocks, not index funds or ETFs. That is a big worry for me because the market crashes. Many people are going to get hurt. Not having goals is a big concern for me. You have to have a goal. You have to have a goal. Otherwise, you'll quit when you're down. And one of the big rules about investing is try not to cash in your investment at a loss. It's all fine whilst it's on paper, but it is just a loss on paper until you pay down or sell down that investment and make it real. But unfortunately, with the psychology of investing, people often want to get out when things are tumbling down, when they feel as though the ship is sinking, although it isn't actually sinking. It's just a, it's just a minor correction. And these are the things that in education become really, really important. It's the stuff that I teach on my course that people really, really need to understand and I feel as though there's going to be a huge amount of people who have invested over the last 18 months, 24 months, who have no idea how this is going to work. And when this correctional crash finally comes around, they will potentially be the people that will be held carrying the bag because they had no idea what they were going into or had a limited understanding of what was going into because they, maybe they felt confused and overwhelmed. And it's going to be tough at that point. And unfortunately, when it does happen, and it will, we just don't know when, the only thing you can do is bite the bullet and hold your position. Because if you crystallize, it becomes real. And that is easier said than done. It really, really is. Particularly when you work hard for your money and you went in with a certain expectation and that expectation turns out to be a falsehood because of what social media has been perpetrating for quite some time now. But guys... Thank you so much for listening this Monday morning. I appreciate you as always. Uh, let me know what you thought about this on, you know, if you want to reach out on, on Instagram, I will leave a link to the survey um, actually in the show notes to the podcast. So feel free to have a little browse around. And if you do have any questions or have any thoughts, if you're looking for coaching, by the way, look, so if you are, if you are one of these people who has invested in this, these numbers ring true to you. And you may have listened to this and you're thinking to yourself, whoa, okay maybe I need to revisit this and you're not quite sure what to do, reach out to me, book a free discovery call and let's talk about your situation and we can see if I can help via coaching. That's what I do now. Um, it is all about making sure that you have concrete goals and you have in place a correct map or plan to help you. And my job as a coach is to give you the information so you understand it and help you set something up so that you are doing so with a full understanding of what needs to happen and where your head needs to be and what your outlook needs to be. This is so important. Like people, this is your money at the end of the day. And I can't say this strongly enough. It's very, very easy to get into something because it's sexy at the time. But believe me, when it turns the other way around, it's easier to take a it's easier to take profit or take a profit, take the idea of a profit than it is to take a loss. But guys, hope you have an amazing week. I'll catch you next Monday.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes. 